Welcome to the third session of the SAMOPS Specialty Spotlight Podcast. Today we are very fortunate to have Dr. Moloff with us. He will talk to us about some military medicine. So first we'll just start off, Dr. Moloff, with you telling us a little bit about yourself, about where you went to medical school, how you got involved with the military. I grew up in New York and New Jersey. My parents were very anti-military. Even though they were, I had a fascination with military medicine for a long time. I went to the University of Vermont on an ROTC scholarship. While there, I majored in medical microbiology and ROTC. I had the privilege of going to paratrooper school, airborne school, and ranger school while still in college. And it was at those two schools and the ROTC instructors I had a developed a great appreciation for the military. I then got commissioned and was a platoon leader in the 82nd Airborne Division, and then I was an officer in Special Forces in 7th Special Forces Group. Because I was interested in medicine, I applied for medical school and was accepted and took an HPSP scholarship to the New Jersey School of Osteopathic Medicine. While there, I can't say I had a stellar career. I did okay. I did fairly well. I was able to do uh, six weeks of active duty in Army Hospital in Stuttgart, Germany, and did a few rotations at Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center when it existed in Denver, Colorado, or Aurora, Colorado. After medical school, I did, a, at the time, a required rotating internship, but took enough surgery electives because I was interested in surgery. And after nine months of being an intern, I realized I missed special forces. So my first assignment after medical school was the battalion surgeon for the 1st Battalion, 10th Special Forces Group, located just south of Munich in Bavaria. Attended flight surgeon school and the Navy dive medical officers course and had three plus wonderful years with the battalion. After that, as per the conventional military, it was time to get a residency. I applied and was accepted to the aerospace medical program. The Army sent me to Harvard for a master's of public health degree, and then I did a year with the Air Force in San Antonio, Texas at Brooke Air Force Base. In typical odd Army fashion, because I was just became board certified in aerospace medicine, I was assigned as the commander of the Special Operations Medical Sergeants course or the SF medical course, and I did that for a little over three years. Following that, I went to command and staff college, and then from there went back to Germany, where I started my time as the deputy brigade surgeon for a medical brigade, became the fifth corps surgeon. During that time, we had a number of deployments, mainly focusing on the breakup of Yugoslavia. I was the on-call doctor for the paratrooper brigade out of Vincenza, Italy, and got to make a few trips to Africa with them during the end of the Machete Wars, came back, and then my assignments after that included U.S. Special Operations Command at Fort Bragg from 92 to 94, went back to Germany, then became a MASH commander, and my final assignment in the military, 2002 to 2006, I was the commander of the Defense Medical Readiness Training Institute, which is famous for the C4 course that everybody goes as long as well as some other educational programs. It sounds like you had a very diverse career while you were in the military. It was. It was a neat balance of clinical medicine, primary care, working with freefall parachutists, divers, and pilots. It was great working with people that really wanted to get better. So it was really a, 
even though I was board certified in aerospace and undersea medicine, I was really doing a lot of emergency medicine and sports medicine, part of my day-to-day routine. All of those different things you did, did you kind of know ahead of time that you wanted to do those things, or did they just happen and fall into place? I'd like to say I planned out my whole career. That would be wrong. Things just happened, and the more I did operational medicine, the more I realized that I really enjoyed it, and because of my prior ranger school and SF experiences, the line commanders trusted me. Most line commanders will automatically assume that any doctor coming to their unit knows medicine, but they don't know they can trust you with the tactics and operational side and integrate medical planning into operational planning. But with me, they trusted me enough to allow me to do that. It just kind of worked out that way. For those of us who are going into the military as physicians and we might not have that special forces background, do you have any suggestions for how we can gain the trust of the line officers that we work with? Yeah, and it really depends on the individuals, the you. What are you really interested in? And most importantly, know what you don't know and be good at what you do and take an interest. When I was Early on in the military, the physicians were really a separate part of the military. There wasn't a lot of integration. They didn't encourage operational assignments. That has since changed. And the way to be trusted by the line officers, whether you're in the Navy, Air Force, Army, is to show an interest in what they're doing. Go out with the troops. Be with them. Be available and never rest on your your medical degree. That is good advice. It sounded like you did a lot of different kinds of tours in lots of different places. Were there any in particular throughout your career that were your favorite or were unique for some reason, made a big impression on you? Yes. Because of timing and what I was interested in, my first assignment after intern year, being in a, back in a Special Forces Battalion, especially being in Bavaria, was just a lot of fun. I mean, we were the Peace Corps with with M-16s. We got paid to parachute, scuba dive, rock climb, ski, work with military of other countries. And I did a lot of primary care with the soldiers and their families. And it was just a lot of fun to realize that for all the medical education I had, it really did good for some people. The other kind of special assignment was a little weird. In 2000, I got assigned or selected to be the commander of the U.S. Army Aeromedical Center, a hospital at Fort Rucker, Alabama. And when I got there, my last hospital assignment or traditional hospital assignment was when I was an intern. And so I was a little nervous about being a hospital commander in a fixed facility and having to work with, I'm going to say, normal, conventional Army medical people. But it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was the civilians liked me, the military liked me. I took what I had learned in my operational assignments and didn't, we didn't go out and do push-ups every day, and we didn't go for long runs, and I didn't paint the hospital in camouflage colors. But it was that field experience and learning made it a very happy place to work, which is a rarity. Definitely a good thing to have for where you work. For those of the listeners that we have that are interested in special operations, is that very common to do or is it very feasible for one to do to make a career out of that? 
Nowadays it is. When I first got okay. to Special Forces, the Army was minimizing the impact of Special Forces. And the Air Force had a small group, and of course the Navy SEALs had a group, but it was very constricted, and it's no, nowhere near the way it was today. And the conventional military establishment frowned on doctors who played with those strange guys. Nowadays there's, it has gotten so much more notoriety in a good sense. And there are so many more assignments that if you show an interest, you can do a series of career moves, staying in special ops or doing what you want. And that's one of the things I really liked about the military is while staying in the military, if you want to do pure clinical medicine or research or operational medicine, today you can do any of those. And you can cross between them intermittently, doing what you like and where you're suitable for doing good. You said that you went to an osteopathic medical school, is that correct? Correct. I have heard from several people that OMM is used somewhat more frequently in operational environments. Would you say that you saw a lot of OMT or did a lot of OMT? To be perfectly honest, going through school, I looked at OMM as just one of those required things you had to do to get mm -hmm. the badge, and it didn't really click. It did, I didn't internalize it right. I mean, I learned it, but I wasn't sure how that would fit into practice. But when I got to operational medicine, I realized how valuable it really was. I would do adjustments on the drop zones. I'd do them after a dive. I'd do them after ski training. And I don't have accurate publishable statistics, but it kept a lot more people continuing to train and be able to deploy than traditional medical techniques for aches and pains and long-term care kind of things. That's actually really important to hear because I feel like as a DO student, we learn it in school, but then we practice on each other and we're all, for the most part, healthy young people. And so I feel like it's hard to see the importance of it until we actually get out there and we're dealing with real people that have real problems. So that's really cool because I had heard that it was just bigger in operational medicine and these people will love you if you can, you know, help them um, with just some of their musculoskeletal areas that they have problems with. I'm totally in agreement. And depending on the type of practice you do outside of operational medicine, it has a small or larger part to play. You know, if you're <laughs> a neurosurgeon, you're probably not going to do a lot. Um, if you're doing orthopedics, maybe sort of, but there are other modalities. But if you're doing primary care, it's amazing to see self-gratification of the patient's love when they mm -hmm. come in with various aches and pains and without putting them on a long course of non-steroidals or opiates or some kind of pain medicine, that you can treat them relatively quickly, relatively effectively, and have them enjoy life and go back to the fight. Right, getting them out there to do what they are meant to do. Correct. Especially with pilots, because there are mm -hmm. many restrictions in all the services about what meds a pilot can take and still fly. So they either don't come to see the flight surgeon because they're afraid to be grounded or they suffer with things for a long time. But using OMM, you can make them feel much better, be much more effective rather quickly and allow them to continue to fly. Right. So you did the flight surgery and then also the dive medicine. Could you just talk a little bit about those? Um, all the services have a basic flight surgeon course of varying length. And in the Navy, most physicians who go through the flight surgeon course have their next assignment somewhere 
on a carrier. For the Air Force, it's a squadron medical officer. For the Army, it's an aviation battalion. And then each of the service also has the aerospace medicine specialty that consists of a year of MPH and then clinical training in it. And those doctors who become aerospace medicine residents are the more senior flight surgeons in medical groups or the carriers or aviation brigades in the Army. For undersea medicine, there are assignments for O3s and O4s in small groups, whether it be the SEALs or Army engineers or the Air Force PJs. And then as you progress, the Navy has a giant research facility at Panama City. The Army does some undersea medicine research, believe it or not. And the Air Force is kind of focused on hyperbarics, which is a dovetail to undersea medicine. So it allows you to shift. You could do clinical hyperbaric. You can do operational dive medicine. And it just gives you a chance to work with people that want to be healthy and want to be treated fast and want to go back to doing what they like doing. Very cool. What are your thoughts on people taking time to do GMO tours? Do you think that that's something that people should try to do before residency? I don't know how many opportunities there are today. When I was going through, it was not expected, but a probably 35-40% would do a GMO tour before doing a residency. If you really know what you want to do, and you want to be a surgeon or an ER doc or primary care, I would say go do the residency. I believe that the three years I did as a GMO really helped me for the rest of my military medical career because it gave me a very good appreciation of working with soldiers and working with line officers at a very young age to appreciate the relationship that a unit surgeon should have with their military commander. And it allowed me to learn more military stuff. Today, a lot of the GMO billets, they task or require people coming out of emergency medicine or family practice to do a GMO utilization tour. And everybody should look at that as an opportunity to do it if you're going to make the military career. Mm -hmm. you want to do your required payback time and get out, it's probably not worth the investment in time. But if you're thinking of the military's career, I would say do a GMO tour before or after residency. And nowadays it's almost after a residency. Go do it and see what life is really like in the battalions or the squadrons or the fleet. Yeah, that seems to be a similar perspective that I've heard from other people that you just learn and experience invaluable things on your GMO tour and it makes you a better officer and a better physician moving forward. How many years did you end up doing in the military and did you anticipate to be in the military for that long? I never realized I was going to make the military a career until I hit about year 15, and I was never really sure how long I'd stay, but I ended up doing 30 years because it was just so interesting and such a nice mix of clinical practice and operational medicine and teaching along the way and training medical sergeants, corpsmen, combat medics, and I got to train PJs and SEAL corpsmen and Army Special Forces and Ranger Medic. They were my children. I created a group of people who went on and did great things. In fact, a number of the medics I either worked with or trained went on to medical school, went on to U-Shoes or other schools, and became military physicians. I think their philosophy was, if Moloch can get through med school, any of us could. They decided to give it a try. That's great.
In medical school, it's kind of hard to be involved with the military or develop the qualities of a good officer for when we become active duty. What advice do you have for students while we're in medical school to be more involved with the military? It's really a challenge. And the first thing you got to do in medical school is do well. Because if you do poorly, you can't get a residency and the military looks askance at you. So take the medical school time to focus on medical school and learning basic medicine. When you get time for active duty tours, you go to the various officer basic courses, be enthused about it. Learn as much as you can. Don't look at it as the summer break to take a vacation. I've known some medical students that have worked as volunteers for National Guard units around their medical school just to see what it was like to integrate into that a little bit. But the primary focus of medical school should be doing well, learning medicine, and there'll be enough time to focus on military stuff later. In medical school, when I had free time, I read military history. Because I was already in the military, I had friends in the military I talked to and stayed in touch with them during medical school. For one of my rotations, elective family practice in medical school, I actually was able to do my family practice rotation with a military family practitioner. And for my surgical rotations, I was able to do it at an Army hospital, Fitzsimmons in Denver. So I was able to kind of start creeping back into the real military world. What advice do you have for students in medical school trying to choose a specialty? It sounds like with your specialty, you were able to do a lot of things and see a lot of things. Would you say that you can kind of do those things with any specialty or you kind of have to be more focused? You have to be you. You have to go where your heart leads you. In retrospect, I think it's very scary for somebody to start their first day of medical school and know what their specialty is. And then the second worst is somebody who gets their clinical rotations because they like one professor or they like one doctor. They decide that should be their specialty. The specialty you pick is kind of like a marriage, except you can't get divorced. And once you go down the route of a specialty, it's very hard to pick another. In the military, there are some opportunities to do more than one specialty and still get paid and progress along. But you've got to go where your heart is. And I think most people at some gut level know what kind of medicine they like doing. And it doesn't matter whether it's surgery or radiology or psychiatry or OBGYN, family practice, any of them out there. But you get, I won't say a calling, but you see whether it's the hours or the work schedule or the type of patients or the procedures you get to do you get to see what you like. The interesting side of aerospace or undersea medicine, there there was no real courses in med school related to it. And it was more a specialty I could choose that would keep me in operational medicine, that would allow Mm -hmm. me to be with active troop units. And so along the way, I learned how to balance medical care with operational needs and coordinate the complex system of medical care for quite a variety of different military operations. All too often, doctors will get into an assignment and they will trust their medical service corps officers to do all that military medical planning. And I'm not saying that they're not good, they're experts at it. But unless you take an active part in the military medical planning process, you're leaving a gap in your knowledge and you're kind of turfing critical medical knowledge into the hands of people that don't have critical medical knowledge. In your opinion, 
how would you compare being a physician in the military as opposed to being a physician in the civilian world? Never been a real civilian physician. After I left the military, I became the chief medical officer of a medical device company and served on a couple of different business and charitable boards. So I never really worked in civilian clinical practice. The nice thing about the military is that you don't have the constraints civilian medical practice has. In the civilian medical world, and I actually know people who do that, there's a constant demand for cost and revenue. Mm -hmm. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But in the military, it's more pure medicine. You're there to treat patients, and while your resources aren't unlimited, they're much less constrained in terms of treatment protocols or what you want to do than there is in the civilian world. While higher levels costs are an important part of military medicine, as a young practitioner, you really don't face those. You do what's best for your patient. That's important, and I feel like that's good that we'll be able to practice medicine like that. Yeah. After your many years serving in the military as a physician, is there any advice that you have for us young officers that are just really starting our career in the military that you either learned along the way or that you wish you had known before you learned it? I would say the important thing is be a good clinician. Know good medicine, whether you're a primary care doc or a surgeon. Know what you don't know. You don't have to admit it to anybody. But know when you reach the point where you realize you don't know what the hell you're doing. You know, it's the old Clint Eastwood thing, and it's a little sexist. A man, or in this case a woman, should know their limitations. Know when you're in over your head. And if you're going into military medicine, you need not as much in in a hospital environment or in training where everybody in leadership is a nurse or a doctor or an MSC officer, and they kind of have an appreciation for what you do. If you're assigned as a GMO or you're doing operational medicine, take an interest in what the line guys are saying and what they're doing. While they don't know medicine, true medicine, they have a lot of experiences in good doctors and bad doctors and see what they want you to be. Every line commander from 05 on up has an expectation of what they want their doctor to be to them. And be upfront on the first day. Ask them what they expect of you, what they want of you. Do they want you to see their troops and their families? Do they want you to get involved in operational planning? Do they want you to be a part of the unit and go out with their on deployments? Or do they want you to stay in the clinic and take care of people? But see what the line commanders expect of you and meet their expectations. Great. That is very good advice. So on that, we'll end. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about your career. It's very interesting and different than I feel like a lot of physicians have in the military. So it's very interesting to hear about. And the most important is be true to yourself. Do what you're interested in. Be good at what you do. Realize that the military officer whole array of opportunities, both in clinical training and in, I'll say, hua stuff. You know, if you want to go to jump school or flight surgeon school or dive medicine officer stuff, if that's what you want to do, go do it. If you mm-hmm. want to be a researcher in the D.C. area or at the various research facilities, go do that. If you want to be the head surgeon at one of the major medical centers, go do that. But as you develop and see how life goes, be honest with yourself and a person, whether it's a soldier or a doctor, always does better in a job they really like. So find those jobs that you really like and do them well. 
too often people either get shunted into a role that they don't like because it's either good for their career or they think it's good for their their CV, and it just makes a lot of people miserable. That is very good advice to um, know early on before you get into those sorts of Mm -hmm. positions. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Moloff. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it.